Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about what we saw on stage last night in Miami. Half of the field of uh, candidates for the Democratic nomination for president next year had their first debate. And we're going to talk about what we learned about the candidates, what we learned about the issues, and what we might expect tonight when the second half of the field takes the stage. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. It's going to get started at just about half past the hour. But first, it would be hard not to get excited about the success that's unfolding during the U.S. women's soccer team's run at the World Cup. But that success is also a reminder, a really stark one, in fact, of the disparities that persist between women's sports and men's sports. Fifty years after the creation of Title IX, female athletes still routinely face lower levels of investment in their sports, training resources, and safety measures. That's according to the Michigan's new task force on women in sports, which notes that only one Division I athletics program in Michigan is led by a woman. Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed an executive order creating the task force earlier this month, and the person who will chair that task force is Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. She joins us now to talk more about this issue. Jocelyn, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So let's start uh, with you talking about the goal of this Mm. task force. Well, over the next few years, we're going to bring the best minds in equity and sports here to Michigan to advise us on legislation, uh, financial incentives, programs, and other policies that the state government can pursue and promote in order to level the playing field for opportunities for women to play sports and also work in sports. Yeah. So uh, give us a sense of how uneven that playing field still is. I mentioned the the women's uh, soccer mm-hmm. uh, uh, run at the World Cup, and I've seen a lot of coverage about the real disparity in pay mm-hmm. uh, with those athletes and and the ones on the men's soccer team. But but give us a, a broader view of how well we've sort of leveled the playing field since Title IX and sort of how much more we have to do. Well, we're 47 years after the passage of Title IX, and there's still, uh, there, of course, progress has been made, but you still see uh, women having less opportunities to play sports, uh, particularly at Division I schools, although, again, those opportunities are increasing. But you also see a significant number of disparities uh, in the professional arena with um, uh, only a small percentage of women coach women's sports. Uh, and, uh, and of course, in, we, we've already noted in Michigan, we've only had, we only currently have one female athletic director of a division one school, Kathy Beauregard at Western Michigan, who's on our task force. So there's, there's a lot that needs to be due to, to, uh, promote more leadership of women in sports. And we're proud to be partnering with the, the top organizations in the country that are, that are working on that issue nationwide to see what Michigan can do, not just to address this issue, but also be a model for other states. Yeah. Um, what's what is it about now that uh, the governor feels uh, is right to try to try to tackle this issue? Well, a lot of studies show that when women play sports, they are more likely to take on leadership roles uh, in in other industries later on. And we're coming at this as the only state in the country that is led predominantly by all women right now. And we wanted to invest in the cultivation of more women leaders in our state, recognizing that we're all better off when everyone has an opportunity to lead, not just in politics, not just in sports, but in every industry in our state. Uh, And there are 
significant number of disparities still, uh, particularly with women of color, but also women in businesses and women in academia. And it's something that I've seen throughout my my career. And so taking this moment to say, we are now leading Michigan. Let's do more to ensure that we're investing in the next generation of female leaders in our state. And the research shows that promoting opportunities for women in sports is really the best way to do that. Yeah. Uh, considering the reckoning that's kind of been unfolding with female gymnasts, who were assaulted by uh, Dr. Larry Nasser? Do you think that girls and women who play sports feel safe? Uh, feel as though their interests are are uh, sort of front and center for the programs that they play for? I think there's definitely recognition that we need to do more, particularly in academic institutions, to be proactive uh, at not just addressing and investigating and taking serious allegations and concerns, but putting measures in place to prevent the, 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 the opportunity or possibility that anything would occur in the first place. And so certainly, uh, with everything that's happened at Michigan State over the past few years, this task force is also an opportunity for us to proactively lead on that front, to not just respond and, and, uh, and address. Uh, and continue to address what's going on at Michigan State as the state is doing, but also to say, where do we go from here and how do we not just ensure this doesn't happen again, but but position ourselves as a leader proactively changing the culture throughout our state uh, to make us a state that is that is supporting and promoting women in sports. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you have uh, a little bit of a background in uh, this issue. Uh, you were the CEO of the Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality, uh, which was a coalition of major sports teams, uh, leagues, I guess, to to try to advance the idea of equality in sports. That's it, kind of a reminder that uh, gender is one of the ways in which sports kind of uh, we have a real challenge with equality. But th- there are also a lot of other mm-hmm. a lot of other issues. Yeah, I mean, Rise focused specifically on equity in sports as it relates to race mm-hmm. and using sports as a vehicle to improve race relations in our country. What I saw there is that there's so many connections between equity, not just around race, but but gender and LGBT issues. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of work going on in the sports industry to rectify disparities in all of those arenas and others. Uh, but there's still so much more to do, I can say also, as, as uh, in, in my time working in the sports industry, having led institutions in law and academia, in business and nonprofits, now in politics, I'd never seen um, more challenges and um, unequal treatment, frankly, as a woman that wow. I, I did in sports. And that sort of, you know, is, is exemplified by the fact that we're at a moment where women are bringing great national attention to our country through the through the through the World Cup mm-hmm. and uh, a very exciting game in France happening tomorrow, uh, and yet they are paid less uh, than their men counterparts, uh, even though the tickets to this game tomorrow are, are probably are thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and so they're bringing in a lot of revenue. So all of that is in the, the sort of the treatment and the disparities in in, in uh, affecting women in sports on the playing field and off. They're also exacerbated by pay issues. Uh, and things that we see in other industries as well. Yeah, and and of course the the women's soccer team has uh, filed a lawsuit, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. alleging that this amounts to institutionalized uh, discrimination. I mean, in some ways, that's the kind of thing that we may have to see more of to just to get people to even sort of acknowledge that this is a problem that that deserves mm-hmm. attention. Yeah, and my hope is that by that this task force can really lead in saying this is also how Michigan can define what states can do in the years now we're almost 50 years out of Title IX. So Title IX was this great statement that the federal government made to say we 
we will protect women in sports and we will advocate and demand an equal playing field for them. We're now almost 50 years out of that. And the question is, well, what do the next 50 years look like? I think part of that answer is going to be answered by state governments. And I hope Michigan will be at the forefront of, of, of determining what the next 50 years will look like to promote opportunities for women in sports. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. She is the chair of Governor Whitmer's new task force on women in sports. We're talking about the disparities that persist uh, between men's sports and women's sports. Uh, if you want to give us a call, join the conversation. Uh, let us know what you think of the disparities that persist between men and women's sports? How does that play out in your life? Especially talk about how that plays out in your children's lives. I think that is one of the ways that most of us kind of experience that disparity is when we see our sons and our daughters uh, and the programs that they join and how different they might be. Tell us what you think we ought to be doing about that. Also, give us an idea of how you think we ought to rectify the dearth of uh, women in leadership positions in sports. That's not just uh, true in women's sports. That also is true in men's sports where there's no reason uh, a woman could not be uh, a coach or an assistant coach in a professional male uh, sport, but uh, we don't see that happen very often. Uh, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Justin, I want to talk uh, specifically about that leadership question. And mm-hmm. I know that's one of the focuses mm-hmm. uh, you guys have. I'm not sure why. We're, I, I, I guess it, it seems as though that's one of the easy fixes mm-hmm. uh, because there are lots of women who would be great at leadership positions in, mm-hmm. in uh, sports, and they still aren't really getting the opportunity. Now, see, I can remember back when this was uh, much more of an issue. Uh, on the racial front in, mm-hmm. in, in professional leagues. And there were lots of really proactive ideas and uh, approaches that that uh, sort of smashed down those doors. Why mm-hmm. haven't we seen that happen with gender? I think there's a lot of reasons. One, in hiring, it's just a question of uh, how are hiring decisions being made and what's the pool of candidates look like? You know, we have the Rooney Rule in the NFL. In, in the NFL, Yeah, sure. that require, and, and uh, Oregon actually has a Rooney Rule for, for state hiring as well in, in college athletics. Uh, and that has, in some cases, worked to at least promote more diversity. Of course, uh, in the NFL right now, there, there are, are fewer African-Americans coaching and, and serving as GMs as, as there have been in years past. Mm-hmm. So it's not been uh, in and of itself and, uh, you know, um, all that is necessary to promote more diversity uh, in the, in those roles, but it's something. And and what I've seen just in determinations of who becomes an athletic director, who becomes a coach, if there's a proactive effort to listen to all voices and to consider all applicants, uh, you'll have a much more diverse pool uh, and more opportunities for women of color, for uh, for people of color, and for for women of all backgrounds to be considered and and fill those roles. Yeah. Uh, are, are there things that you feel like uh, sort of low hanging fruit? I guess uh, mm-hmm. that the task force can get after that might move the needle on something. Yeah, I think first is just more transparency when it comes to compliance with Title IX, what are schools doing uh, and and requiring some of that transparency. And that's something we'll be looking at, certainly looking at what other states have done and other teams have done. Uh, And one of the things I've been doing is talking, speaking with a lot of women who are in leadership positions in sports and saying, what worked for you and what can we incentivize here in Michigan for our sports teams? But it all gets back to recognizing that, uh, you know, 
when if we are if we're serious about wanting everyone to succeed in our state and and women in particular to continue to hold leadership roles and be considered for leadership roles uh, at a young age, uh, giving them role models in sports, both as athletes and and women working in sports, and in enabling them and encouraging them to play and gain all the the, the uh, qualities that come from that uh, is really a, a critical step. Uh, the governor's a former athlete. I'm an athlete. Uh, and one of the things that surprised me the most or that, or that I didn't anticipate when this task force was announced was how many women business leaders and, and women in politics of all backgrounds came to me or reached out to me and said, I'm doing what I'm doing because I was an athlete when I was mm. younger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really, uh, that's a really, really powerful mm-hmm. statement that, uh, that leadership in, other areas kind of starts in in sports. Well, it's it, when in especially in a moment where you don't see, or as uh, particularly uh, women of my generation and even some girls today, you don't see a lot of women oftentimes in leadership positions and people who look like you. And in in trying to be what you cannot see, uh, being what you what you are on the playing field enables you to find confidence and define yourself and realize what you're capable of, even if you don't necessarily see those examples in other arenas. Yeah. I think that holds true in race as well as LGBT. And, and gender and uh, and, you know, and so I think uh, we, we also want to recognize that connectivity too as we move forward. Again, 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. Let's go to Brian in Gross Point. Brian, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Hey. Yeah, I'm just curious. Um, I'm all for equality and, uh, you know, supporting, you know, women's sports or anything for anyone. Um, just to uh, make it brief, when you know, people are considering, uh, you know, funding women's sports. That's sort of the topic today. And then maybe, you know, salaries for women uh, mm-hmm. to all, you know, support them and allow them to develop. Like what type of figure do, you know, comes to mind? I mean, when I think of, you know, soccer, I think of a global sport and I think of these rock stars like, you know, Beckham and Ronaldo and, you know, guys like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they're like, 30 million, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, plus a source. I mean, it's insane. Uh, but, you know, just for, uh, you know, something that would help sustain these players and help them develop and um, be able to focus on that and not have second jobs or something like that. Like, what type of figure is that? That's an interesting and, um, question. I would say the, the, the average pay of men playing soccer should equal the average pay of women <laughs> right. playing soccer. Let's start I think there. we already have. Yeah, we, I mean, certainly there are outliers and there are dominant st- stars in all sports, but I think the if the a- the average pay should be comparable, and right now it's not. And and especially, you know, I think soccer is a great example. This the the attention that women who are playing soccer right now is garnering throughout the world, but certainly in the United States. Uh, it's it's incredibly exciting, but we can't uh, embrace that attention without the recognition that the average pay for these women who are who are representing our country in an exemplary way uh, is much less than the men who did the same in the men's world, yeah. world cup. So that, that that to me is just about equality. I mean, people always point to revenue as well as mm-hmm. as one of the reasons that these are uh, uh, the pay scales are different. That that. Uh, men's sports still make more money mm-hmm. uh, than women's sports. So, so uh, the, then the question becomes, well, how do you make the pay equal mm-hmm. if the revenue is not? And you certainly can consider that in some instances, but in the Women's World Cup, as I mentioned, the, you know, the tickets to this game tomorrow for- <laughs> are in the thousands of dollars, which is much more than... Uh, I think the average ticket was for in any of the men's World Cup games. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're, I think you know, when you're looking at 
football, a general, a revenue generating sport, and you're comparing that to um, any sport that doesn't is as nearly every sport, <laughs> other than maybe men's basketball, yeah. uh, doesn't receive the same amount of attention. But you know, the NBA has done a lot to invest in the WNBA over the past few years, and um, you know, I'd love to see a WNBA team come back to Detroit. Uh, Swin Cash, who was certainly a uh, a star here when she played in Detroit, is now uh, one of the most powerful women uh, in in basketball today, mm-hmm. working with the New Orleans Pelicans. So we want to engage her in saying, you know, how can we, uh, how, you know, wh- wh- how do we um, uh, make sure that women playing basketball get the same attention, investment, and opportunities that men do? And, and what does that look like? So we'll, yeah. we'll be looking into that throughout the years of the task force. Yeah. Uh, Brian, thanks for the call. And the question, let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to the show. I'm not really sure if this is Title Nine or not, but, you know, I look at all the stadiums that we paid for with our tax dollars in Detroit. Mm. And I don't see um, um, women professional teams playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems unconstitutional that um, you know, based on because tender. we sent public money to it. Mm, That's interesting. interesting. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Title IX inherently it just applies to educational institutions uh, specifically. But it is an interesting thing to think about if public dollars are going. Um, how do we make sure that there's equitable distribution? Uh, and the, the one of the things that uh, in, that we're looking into, and we're bringing in leaders in professional sports, former commissioners of 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 different leagues and and other um, athletes to to help advise us and uh, explore this question a little bit more uh, to say you know what what could we do not just within our own sports teams to promote more women leadership but also uh, promote more professional women's athletics in mm. in the state uh, noting perhaps the, the public investment which I think to me is is the role of state government to start examining and thinking about look we are and taxpayers are investing funds in these sports uh, is you know. Is there a, a connection there between um, equitable uh, um, access uh, and um, and the taxpayer dollar? So it's it's one of the things we'll be looking at. I mean, it may be one of the levers that uh, mm-hmm. that government can yeah. use to try to make the playing field uh, more level. Uh, let's go to Chris in Bloomfield. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so hi, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it seems like we talk about work in in just a backwards way now. Uh, and it seems strange to me that, you know, we don't talk about paying an usher less money depending on turnout or a caterer mm. less money depending on turnout. That's true. Mm-hmm. And yet we talk about paying the athletes less money based on turnout. And but we bifurcate it on gender. And, and mm. so that just seems wrong to me. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting observation and point. And I think there's a lot of questions as to why the WNBA, for example, which is if you've watched it in recent years, is exciting, incredible athletes. The championship games have been as riveting as as some of the champion playoff NBA games in the, in the men's side. So, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, how do we um, or is there a role for for government to play in in promoting um, women's sports in that way? And I, I think the interesting thing is is in why this task force is really groundbreaking uh, is because uh, what the governor has done is basically said has asked us uh, and asked athletic directors, women in sports and leadership throughout this country and throughout the state to come together and say, look at this, think about these tough questions and see what we can do at this moment in Michigan's history to answer them in a way that would that would lead other states as well and 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 try to wrestle with some of these these important questions. So uh, as we you know our task force is meeting for the first time this afternoon, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what our report, which will be l- released in February of 2021, uh, a preliminary report will will say about all these things. And and hopefully there will, there's going to be lots of opportunities for public involvement and thoughts like yours to be shared and be incorporated in our deliberations. Yeah. 
Chris, uh, thanks for the call. Um, before I let you go, Jocelyn, I want to ask you about yesterday's debate. In the next segment, we're going to have uh, an expert panel uh, <laughs> dissect all of the things that we learn. But uh, of course, you are a Democratic office holder here in the state. What did you think? Well, first, I, um, like my colleague in Ohio, the Secretary of State there, we've both taken a uh, commitment or made a pledge of impartiality, yes, of uh, both in the, in the primaries, <laughs> but also in the general. So, um, which is a, you know, appropriate, and we're, we're encouraging and working with other secretaries to do the same. Uh, so all that said, I thought there were a lot of people on that stage. And it was just night one. And it wasn't even just that there were a lot of people answering questions. Yeah. There were a lot of people asking questions. Yeah. I was like, why do you want yeah. all these people as well? Yeah. <laughs> and look, I love Democratic, you know, small D Democratic discourse. I love civic engagement. So I love that there are people, that, that people are engaged. Mm. And um, to the extent that there's substance, uh, which was, you know, there are a lot of people just trying to make a name for them, you know, sure. and get out there and zing and all the rest. But the more focus we can put on actual plans and, and solutions, the better. And I think we saw some of that start to emerge and just the first debate. So we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I know you're somebody who thinks a lot about voter education mm-hmm. and information and letting people really get a look at who they're voting for before they do it. Yeah. It, it does seem like we're, we're a little bit still in the dark ages with that, with these debates. I mean, this is not yeah. a great way to really learn about how somebody might govern. It does feel a little bit like there are more performances than substantive proposals. And uh, and, and that's why as, as voters, we often have to dig a little bit deeper behind the surface to find out what someone would actually do once in office and what their beliefs are and, and plans are. Uh, but I will say also, in just observing things, it's been encouraging to see so many candidates talk about voter access mm. uh, and make that a part of what they're championing. And it's been also great to see a lot of the proposals that they're talking about are in place in Michigan now because of proposals uh, that were passed by voters last fall. Uh, so I've been looking at that a little bit and, and appreciative that that's been a topic of substantive discussion. And I hope that as we move forward, uh, there will be, um, you know, the voters will only benefit if there's more, if, if these types of debates are more educational in, uh, you know, in, in substance as opposed to, you know, promotional. Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, always great to catch up with you here on yeah, Detroit Thanks today. for having me. Thanks for coming in. Up next, we are going to recap last night's Democratic debate with a panel of guests. And of course, we want to hear from you. What did you think of last night's debate? Did you see anybody who you really liked? Did you see anyone who you didn't like? Were there any things that surprised you about the candidates or the questions? We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thank you.